This is True Parenting Audio, episode 76. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Smithson, and this is True Parenting Audio, the podcast where parents will find inspiration and practical parenting tips that not only change kids' behavior, but build powerful cycles of continuous growth in your family through the principles of teaching, relationship, and upgrading yourself. Thanks for joining us in this journey to be a true parent. Hey everybody, welcome back to True Parenting Audio, and today we are going to be talking about family mealtime. And I know that this is a terribly frustrating time for a lot of parents, and today we're going to be talking about seven specific ways to take the frustration off the menu at family mealtime. And every parent knows that mealtime, especially dinner time, is one of the craziest times of day. The whole family is finally converging after the rest of the world has already already taken a good portion of each of the family members' sanity. The whole house is buzzing with kids playing and doing homework. Mom, dad, or both are getting home from work. Kids are hungry and letting you know it, and parents are hungry and grumpy as a result. Blood sugar is low and tensions are high. Finally, the meal is ready and you call the kids to the table, but no one comes. You think to yourself, I couldn't get them out of the kitchen five minutes ago, and now where'd they disappear to? You call one more time and hear the stampede coming toward the kitchen table. The oldest is clawing his way to switch the blue cup with the red one in front of his brother's table setting. A squabble ensues, and the nightly clash of cups happens. When the battle's over and the cup cups calm down, you announce it, it's time to pray and give thanks for the food. But the kids seem to think that this is an invitation to pick up and clang utensils, against the plates and talk to each other. Eventually things settle down, a prayer is said in haste, and the actual meal begins. Each child fights for you to dish up their plate of food first. There's a chorus of orders and demands, but by the time people start eating, at least one of the kids insists that his food is too cold and they want to warm it up in the microwave. In time, everyone is in their seats and eating. You're watching each of the kids and demanding that they eat their veggies and at least three bites of whatever the main course is while they complain about not liking what you fixed. At last, a hush falls over the table while the whole family chews simultaneously. You say, how was school? In reply, you get, fine. You think to yourself, I went through all of that for fine. So, It doesn't have to be this way. Dinner can be a great time to connect and decompress. It's just, it just takes a little deliberate planning. I must confess that the scenario that I've discussed with you already is really quite reminiscent of some of my own family's experience at dinner time. 
We don't always apply the principles and techniques in this this podcast, but I can attest to the fact that when we do, these things make mealtime significantly better. And so I want to share with you these seven concepts, these seven techniques of things that we can do to make mealtime much better with our families. The first is to plan meals ahead of time. I've found in my own experience and through talking with many other moms and dads that just deciding what to make for dinner can be one of the most frustrating and stressful decisions of the day. It can cause arguments in a marriage and at very least a whole lot of grumpiness. It can decrease the stress of the whole evening routine and save you from wasted time and arguments if you simply create a weekly meal plan. Take 10 minutes each Sunday to write down a list of meals for the week and post them on a calendar. You can check out some different sites to look for easy meals and plans for your family. There are some great sites that I found just recently, one called 100daysofrealfood.com and I actually have a sister-in-law who has a wonderful blog with some awesome recipes and she always shares a little bit about how she's shared these recipes with her family and the reactions that she gets. So her blog is briannasrecipebox.blogspot.com. Go ahead and check those out. You can go back to trueparenting.net and look at the article, Seven Ways to Take Frustration Off the Menu at Mealtime. And you can find links to both of those those blogs. The second thing we can do to make family mealtime a little better is to manage personal overwhelm and stress before the meal begins. If you know that you're stressed out before the dinner prep and meal begins, take a breather. Before battling the task at hand, Retreat to your room for a few minutes and take a few minutes to practice the quick calm technique or take a few minutes to meditate or sing a song or pray for help or just read some calming or inspirational quotes or devotionals. If you find yourself stressed to the max every day at this time, it may be a great time to take a look at your schedule and make a change. Find a way to relieve yourself of the overwhelm and meet your evening meal and activities with greater calm and peace. If you struggle with overwhelm and stress, I would love to help you with tools to increase your calm and true parenting techniques. You can check out my, my true parenting coaching page and find out more about how you can visit with me a little bit about how to make those things just a little bit better in in your parenting and in your evening routine. Again, go back to trueparenting.net and you can check out that page and the links are all there. The third thing is to use paper. When my fifth child was born, things got a little crazy and people brought gifts to the house for my wife and the baby. A good friend brought a gift that made things a little better and simpler for a few weeks. It was paper plates. Who would have thought that something so simple could have made such a huge difference in the workload and stress of the household? We don't use paper every night, but 
now at least once a week, we take a break from the dishes with this simple substitute of paper plates. To some, this little tip may seem like no big deal, while to others, it will feel like an attack on their very identity. It's nice to sit down to a well-set dinner table, but remember that the plates and utensils you use during dinner are not a good measurement tool for the value of you as a mother or father. Give yourself a break and just use paper. The fourth thing is to prepare plates before kids get to the table. If your kids are like mine, they can get a little restless sitting at the table waiting to get their food. By changing one small routine at dinner time, you can avoid and prevent a lot of boredom-driven bickering and fidgeting. Load up your children's plates before calling them to the table for the meal. As they grow up and become more independent, you may want to leave part of the meal for them to prepare on their own. But for the young kids, preparing their food ahead of time can make a huge difference in the tone of the meal. The fifth principle is to ask great questions. How many times have you asked, how was your day? Just to get a lackluster response of fine. Well, you knew it was fine. I mean, they're still alive, right? You think, couldn't they give an answer other than fine? When we ask redundant, boring questions, our kids tend to respond with redundant, boring conversation. Give them a little jolt by adding some novelty. Change up the same old questions for something a little more specific and exciting that really invites them to express themselves and start conversation. Some great examples include things like, what did you... <clears throat> What did you do today that you're most proud of? What was something kind someone did for you today? What was one thing that you might change about your day if you could? There's an awesome website called Six Sisters Stuff that has a great resource of 50 family dinner conversation starters. Each of these 50 conversation starters are excellent examples of powerful questions that encourage engagement and connection rather than just going through the motions of asking the same old questions. Sometimes it can be fun for you and your kids to come up with a list of questions together and post it near the dinner table. It might include things you you would like to know about your kids or things they'd like to know about you. Start at the top of the list and start loving and learning more about each other every single time you sit down at dinner together. The sixth principle is to acknowledge and defer. Respond, don't react. As parents, we spend so much time focusing on not reacting negatively that sometimes we don't respond at all. We often ignore a request, especially a request that has been repeated a million times. When kids ask questions or make demands at the table, especially when we're busy doing something else, acknowledge the request and let them know that they're welcome to do it for themselves or wait until you're able to do it. After you're done serving 
others or finished with your own meal, you can go back and help them with those things that they've requested. But it's important to acknowledge them and respond and let them know what you're going to do. The problem with ignoring is that most young kids are pretty persistent and will continue to ask over and over if they're not acknowledged. We all know that their persistence just drives us to greater irritation and negative reactions. The answer may indeed be no or that they need to wait, but at least answer the question and let them know from the very start. The seventh principle is to offer a variety of veggies. I'm sure veggie problems have been around since the beginning of time. Abel probably complained to Adam and Eve, do I have to eat the fruit of the ground? I know I have to till the field, but do I have to eat my own beans? Let's face it, broccoli is not as tasty as ice cream, or even bread for that matter, but it is much more nutritious, so we try to include some veggies in every meal. The trick to getting kids to eat their veggies is to offer them choices. Keep fresh finger food veggies around that they can add to the meal at any time. If they would rather have carrots, celery, or green peppers with dip instead of steamed broccoli that you're serving, give them that option. My own kids each have a veggie that they refuse to eat. And over time, their preferences change. But they'll all eat some kind of fresh veggie if it's available. So in closing, mealtime doesn't have to be a dreaded time. In fact, research has shown that families who eat one meal a day together have fewer problems with high-risk behaviors like drugs, promiscuity, and crime. Research also found greater respect and stronger family relationships among those in this group. Food gives us a reason to come together and helps us bond. Mealtime provides a sense of family unity and offers excellent opportunities to teach values and skills in a non-threatening environment and a time to peacefully reconcile differences. The benefits of dinner time together are huge and we can get all of these benefits without the discomfort that often accompanies a lot of young families. Give each of the, s- the seven tips in this podcast a try and let us know in the comments on the website or on Facebook. Let us know what happens. What other tips would you offer to other parents and to me that help your family meal times be a little bit better. So I'd love it if you'd come over to trueparenting.net and check out the article, Seven Ways to Take Frustration Off the Menu at Family Meal Time, and share with us some of your tips, some of the things that make your meal times a little bit better, and what other parents might be able to do to do the same. Or check in with us at facebook.com trueparenting and share with all of the true parents over there some of your great ideas as well. I hope this podcast will help you in your your dinner time tonight, and 
all of your, your meals to come. So thank you so much again for listening and we'll talk to you again soon.